Hello, it is time to chat with me, Kamea, and me, Rose. On this show, we have courageous conversations that illuminate the shared experiences related to food and gender. We are here to help folks digest their relationship to food. In today's episode, we chat about being a woman behind the bar. We had to take this episode and break it into two parts. Not only did we have a few drinks and a lot of laughs, but it was a lot of ground to cover. Rose has a lot of great experience, both in terms of practical tips on how to make some cocktails at home, but also based on her experience in the industry itself. It's a wild ride. We have a slew of modern stories as well as some old time stories. So settle in, pour yourself a glass. It's time to chat. Okay. I'm gonna make you some cocktails. Are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. I'm really excited. Uh, this is quite the setup. And um, yeah, I'm excited to learn from you. As a home cook, I find the world of cocktails to be a little bit intimidating. Um, I'm interested in them from like a flavor perspective and like that witchy side of me. Like I love making potions. Mm -hmm. I love making, blending my own teas and playing with flavors. But the world of cocktails, there's a lot in it. And there are also, I don't have a lot of women in my life. I mean, other than you, where this is like something we do. Right. I think like... I feel like I'm just getting into the cocktail world and like getting a little bit more knowledgeable with mixology in general because it is such a giant world. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the culinary world, it's so massive and you can go in all different directions. So it's very intimidating. I'm just getting my toes. It's a lot to learn and it's kind of expensive to get into in terms of like having different exotic ingredients. It's an expensive hobby, I will say. Okay, so I have three all day for you. Um, There's two that I was kind of not sure which one I wanted to start with. So pick a number between one and two. (laughs) There's no numbers between one and two. Pick one or two. (laughs) Uh, Two. Okay, so we are going to start with an old-fashioned. I love an old-fashioned. But I'm going to make it different different it's not gonna be a whiskey old-fashioned it's gonna be my favorite old-fashioned that i've told you about okay it's gonna be a gin old-fashioned what yeah does that still make it an old-fashioned why not i don't know so an old-fashioned um kind of a fun fact is like what an old-fashioned is is basically the definition of cocktails when we're talking like back in the old times we're talking like prohibition era yes even farther back like spirit sugar water and bitters that's all it is that's how cocktails originally came about so it is the perfect quote cocktail so first you have a sugar cube um i don't see your seven up (laughs) that is not a real old-fashioned lady my first old-fashioned was get out of here that's just weird and not normal um (laughs) It's not weird. I shouldn't say that. That's really mean to say. You can do whatever you want in your cocktails just like with food. Um, so you start with a sugar cube. And what's nice about an old-fashioned is it's all built in the glass. So there's no shaking involved. It's super easy. Um, it's also what I've learned through the baby amount of bartending I've done. You know how, like, you can you go to a restaurant or you talk in food and you're like, Like I say in the world of ice cream, like try their vanilla. Because if they can do vanilla ice cream well, they can do all of their flavors well. Yes, I do. And there's similar things with food. Like 
if you're in an Italian spot, like what's their red sauce like? So when you go to a bar and however they make their old fashioned is a good way to kind of get an idea of your bartender, the skill sets, and the bar itself. Interesting. Yeah. Because it's simple, but it does have like technique. I love that you are providing me with information to make me uh, better at judging people. Yeah. When I walk into spaces. Love it. Love it. Um, so you start with a sugar cube in the bottom of a rocks glass. Um, are all sugar cubes created equal? Are they all, is it a standardized size? The size is standardized. The sugar itself is not. Um, I think the most common, um, sugar cubes you'll get at your grocery store is in like with the pink and the blue Mm -hmm. label, you know what I'm talking about? I can't Mm -hmm. remember the name off of it, off the top of my head. We're all, they're also not paying for that, so. No, it's just like really basic sugar, um. I love and a really talented bartender that I once worked with, which was also a jackass, but he was talented, um, taught me that diamond sugar cubes are the best for cocktails. Did they have a reason? Um, yes, and I don't remember the full reason, honestly, but it's, they're a little bit softer. So like the other sugar cubes I was talking about um, are harder to break and it takes longer for the sugar to dilute within your alcohol. Mm-hmm. This does kind of the opposite. It breaks up really easily. It's really easy to work with, and it dilutes quicker. If I don't have a cube sugar, can I just put sugar in the absolutely, of my glass? absolutely, and it's like a teaspoon? I would even do maybe like it's totally in your own preference, but I would do like maybe a quarter to a half teaspoon. Okay, so we got sugar on the bitters. bottom of the glass. Sugar in the bottom. Two dashes of bitters. Yes. So I like to do, again, this is choosing your own adventure. I like to do two dashes of orange bitters and then one dash of Ango, Angostura bitters. And that's the like really typical one. That's, that's like very at my common. mom's house. Exactly. I definitely have it with the white label. Exactly. So you're going to, you want to make sure when you're dashing that you get it on the sugar cube because you want to break down the sugar. So you do that. Use your little muddling tool to break it down um crush your little cube so you have an actual like beautiful muddling stick but i could use like a wooden spoon you can use a wooden spoon you can use your fingers i don't give a shit (laughs) use whatever you want so you're just gonna kind of like goo out your sugar a little bit um you don't have to go too crazy you're just kind of like breaking up the cube itself and then after that you're gonna add your ice And you want to add a decent amount of ice. So I would fill your rocks glass maybe like three quarters full of ice. That's good enough. Then we're going to add our spirit. And like I said, I'm choosing a gin. So I like to do, if you're going to do a gin old fashioned, you want to still keep that like depth of flavor. So you use a barrel aged gin. So this is a St. George barrel aged gin it's the same that I got wow. you for your wedding mm-hmm. so you can do again choosing your own adventure you can do two uh two full ounces or you can do an ounce and a half I'm going to do an ounce and a half because we have quite a day ahead of us pour your liquor and then with a bar spoon you're just going to s- gently stir keeping the back of the bar spoon on the edge of the glass it's not about your speed it's more of just chilling and so basically use like your finger, not the pad of your finger, more of like the side of your finger because it's less um, calloused. And you just stir until the outside of the glass is nice and foggy and chilled. If you whip the cocktail too much, like with your spoon and you're aggravating the ice a little bit too much, you'll whip air into it, which 
is not what you want for this particular cocktail. What happens when you whip air into it? It changes the flavor. You're also like melting the ice in a different way. Those are all things that I'm not, I'm still learning that are like super nerdy. When I first uh, bartended, I thought it was the how fast you could do it. Cause you see bartenders, you know, like spinning the, doing stirred glasses and they're like going really fast. It's not necessarily about how fast it goes. Okay. So once you're nice and chilled, you're going to drop a cherry into it. Um, you can do a Luxardo cherry, maraschino cherry, whatever you prefer. Today, we're using special cherries from our canning adventures. Oh, yeah. I do remember making those with you. Um, I always like to do a little bit of a, like a spoonful worth of the cherry juice, too, because Because yum. Right? And then a nice orange peel. I didn't know I had to be anxious about stirring too much air into my cocktail. Maybe that's not supposed to be the takeaway I'm getting, but the next time I, like, go to stir something, I'll be like, oh, shit, I put in too much air. Well, and again, like, when you have, like, money and time to, like, really play with your cocktails, you can really taste the difference when you make them all different. Like, one of my favorite things working behind the bar when I was learning is, like, I would make a cocktail and then a bartender that was more experienced than I was make one next to me and we'd each try it and you could see the differences like so easily so you have your little orange peel and you're gonna roll it up in your fingers like a little taquito that's a great analogy (laughs) i'm like how do i describe it like a little taquito roll it up and um i like to do just like a little bit of a pinch in the glass to get the oils out rub the mouth part of the glass with your orange peel lovely and she's shoving the peel into the glass super good so if you were to do the same thing and you weren't doing it with gin what alcohol would you use me personally i prefer a like a bourbon whiskey over like a rye i'm not a huge huge fan of rye whiskey and there you are a gin old-fashioned it's beautiful it's a really beautiful peachy color um i like the gin because it's a little bit more herbal botanical it tastes a little bit more bright and airy to me like whiskey can be really heavy yeah that's really yummy um to me this is like almost like the summer version of an old-fashioned uh but your gin really matters like i tried to make this with just um just hendrix gin because hendrix is usually my go-to um and it was literally awful because it's just so like gin and alcohol and I like made sure I chilled it really well and it just didn't work so you really want to have that like barrel aged gin a barrel aged gin that's what I'm looking for Mm -hmm. you're looking at the barrel aged right now it's like it looks like whiskey if you didn't know it's a amber it looks like apple juice or urine you know delicious delicious it's yummy it is yummy it tastes to me like um when you are outside on like a late August evening and it's that peak of summer, but the air has like a taste of dust, but also the scent mm-hmm. of like the pollen and things like are in full bloom and you're not like quite tipped into like harvest season and things are starting to decay, but it's like that height of summer and the smell of the hot summer air. Yeah. That's what it tastes like. To I me. get that. That's a really good way to describe it. It's just fun. And again, like I was saying, it's a basic 
traditional cocktail because of the spirit, water, sugar, and bitters. Um, so you can basically plug and play. That's what's cool about cocktails. You can also play with your bitters because mm-hmm. the world of bitters is huge. The subject of bitters is really interesting to me because my understanding too is that like in old, old times that they were actually medicinal and that the idea of like taking a nightcap at the end of the evening was to take your herbal medicine. So it's like a tincture, not necessarily just for flavors. And I've played around with that a little bit. There's some bitters I take for digestion, but I just, I take it like a tincture. I don't mix it with drinks. Um, There was one christmas season holiday season that i made some winter solstice bitters out of herbs that inspired me from the energies of the solstice but that was just like me having fun but friends really really loved it i don't know if you made anything with it but um it was fun to make yeah i think honestly one of my favorite like non-alcoholics is just bitters and soda um especially if you're hungover or if you have an upset stomach for that same thing it's just it's super medicinal they're really concentrated I don't know a ton about bitters. Like, I wish that's something I would like to deep dive a little bit more. They're really versatile. I've even heard of bitters being used in cooking. In cooking? Mm-hmm. That's interesting because when I was watching you, it did make me think of the act of cooking. And, like, everything you just did here was a whole ritual which i find really beautiful and that's not how i've been taught to approach alcohol Mm -hmm. just in it's more of like something you do socially or at the end of the night from like farming you go crack a beer like you're at home or pour a glass of wine there's no ritual aspect to it and like everything you just laid out here and setting it up and like taking the time to stir it to chill the alcohol i thought you just stirred it to like mix shit up But I think it's the more hierarchy that you can observe. Sometimes when people get into the art form of something, it can feel really intimidating even to approach it with curiosity or just get interested in it. And I think I've definitely seen that in cooking. And that's one of the main feedback I get like on my cooking classes is you made this process of cooking this thing far less intimidating, especially somebody like me because I'm so in the food and farming world and to people who've observed like oh that's like the right way that's like the honest way like she knows her shit which I do it's like yes but I'd love to invite you and bring in your curiosity because it's fun and I want to help you play with that and I just really appreciated the way you presented that cocktail because you gave me uh more information and you made it like oh like this isn't necessarily like right or wrong like yes there are ways that you can present this to be more pleasing and I have more practice with this but you also really invited me to play which i appreciate because otherwise i find it like really intimidating these men in the cocktail world can tend to make it seem so pretentious and maybe you feel insecure or uncomfortable to ask about the cocktails that are lined up behind them the hundreds of bottles right and it so it doesn't really create an environment for learning but just like most anything this is all a bunch of bullshit (laughs) it's all a fucking show And also, it's not that fucking hard. They just look really pretty doing it. (laughs) That's all it is. It's just making me think of, like, the day that I realized how easy it was to actually hook up an entertainment system and a VCR. Yeah. Because, um, you know, my mom ended up being a single mom and we, like, moved and she and I had to figure it out. I was like, okay, like, this is, like, really intimidating. This is something that, like, the man of the house always used to do. And I turned it around and me and my mom looked at each other and we were like, it's fucking color-coded. Yeah, right? 
it's fucking color coded like i don't need to read the instructions yeah. and i'm 14 like yeah. what it's wild and it, it's it's this gatekeeping of these gender roles and i feel like yeah bartending's the same way it's like it's perceived as like and don't get me wrong too there's a ton of skill set that goes into it there's a lot of education that can go into it 100% especially at like high level but still it's like we're presented like oh well you're not ready to be a bartender yet like this is like really like intense work and it is there's a lot that is very difficult about it well it's detail oriented yeah it's detail it's memory speed execution but just in the world of like creating give me a fucking break like you're literally measuring liquid and putting them in tiny cups pretty tiny cups that's what we're doing so it's like also at the end of the day we should just play and like it shouldn't be this weird like up there thing that like I could never do so you've experienced some hierarchy within bartending alcohol culture in your job in your Um, field I feel like you definitely notice that with customers because when I started moving a little bit more into front of house and helping and management within the front of house I did. And for some context for the listeners, you have been involved with this place, like in terms of concept, menu development, training. Like, yeah. As management shifted, I took more of a general management role. And therefore, I wanted to be the best manager I could. And that means I need to also understand a little bit more of the front of house aspects and what goes into it and what they're experiencing, what their job is like, so that I can be better at tasking them, managing them, et cetera. So when I moved up into the front, being able to work in all those different positions it was so fascinating to see how the customer treated you differently what do you mean like as a server and i'm not saying no one ever said these words to me but like you got the vibe that you weren't as smart you weren't as skilled you were more more of a low level employee within the restaurant they would correct you argue with you um, sometimes not even give you like much contact at all whether it was verbal or eye contact or anything um you were just their servant mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and of course not all tables are like this but i'm everyone that works in the restaurant industry service industry knows what i'm talking about and then when i moved behind the bar the customers also respect you a lot more they when you're talk, behind the bar mm-hmm. they talk to you differently they ask you questions they want to pick your brain they want to know how do you know this what's your favorite cocktail what's your like how do you make this and i a lot of it has to do with it's a more powerful role because you are the one that's i get to control your alcohol consumption and you are here to consume alcohol so they're gonna respect you and and if you are not conducting yourself in the way that's appropriate within that business the bartender has control to be like you need to leave it was really interesting because I'm like, these people have no idea. I've, I literally don't know what I'm doing. I'm like sweating balls right now. Yeah. And they think I'm the coolest person ever. Which is such an interesting way to view the bar and think about how we view it as a social mm-hmm. concept. Yeah. And I remember the uh, bar lead that I was working with at the time. Um, I was kind of talking to them about like different customer interactions and they had uh, been hired for the bar, worked behind the bar. And there was, I think maybe two times that they served just to kind of fill in. And they had never served tables before Mm -hmm. in their career. And they told me same thing. They're like, oh yeah, like 
working behind the bar and being comfortable back here like I have this idea of my customer interactions but they were like as soon as I was a server I went into that role with the same kind of like comfortability and attitude and they're like I was really like stunned by how different I was treated by the customers because Mm -hmm. I wasn't this skilled employee even though servers have a tons of skills and they're incredibly valuable so it's interesting it is interesting and I would love to do a conversation about our attitudes towards servers in general I have some serving experience Um, mostly I've stayed in sort of like customer service like retail kind of spaces but I've done some serving and where I would see that um, contrast specifically is they worked for um, one of the nicer places here for a Mm -hmm. short time definitely would have worked for them one of the nicer as in like the nicest you say that all like casually (laughs) literally like one of the top restaurants we had in our town for like a while i mean they're awesome and i was really grateful to be among the that team and i definitely would have worked there longer if job circumstances hadn't changed uh my life circumstances but they did a lot of private parties Mm -hmm. and it was wild to me the difference of doing so they were like private parties where i was like doing past past appetizers it's not necessarily like everyone there is getting the same thing i'm not like taking individual orders but i'm definitely helping orchestrate that everybody has a nice time that they're getting their needs met and passing around appetizers and asking answering questions about like what's in everything so you need to know the wine and you need to know the ingredients um but one thing that really stood out to me was that when it was like a corporate like private party I was treated totally differently like when it was like a bank and I was like pretty much invisible I had people that would just like kind of not even look at me and just like take something Mm -hmm. or like toss garbage in my general direction um I did have a gentleman like run his hand down my back towards my ass and I told the 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 boss the woman Mm -hmm. who owned it and she uh, was like, well, I'm personally serving him for the rest of the evening and none of the other servers are going over there, which was great. And like, depending on where you work for, who you work for makes a huge, huge difference with that difference. kind of thing. Um, but then when it was like a holiday party where it was like people bought tickets into it and it wasn't like a private, private event, it was such a mix of people who were like, this was a big deal. Like it was like, they're spending money on this. Yeah. It was like a birthday thing with their mom. They were so much kinder and like, this was like a special thing and they were like eating it up and like so nice to me. Whereas like the private corporate events, I was definitely treated a lot more like a servant and it Mm -hmm. was kind of wild. It was the same space, same beautiful food, same team of people, same, like I get the same level of training I, get, I got the same level of training for both kinds of events in terms of like, okay, here's the rundown. Here's what we're doing. Here's our goals for the evening. But like the attitudes of the people were totally different. Isn't that fascinating? It's interesting. And I think also on top of it, like being a female behind the bar is a different dynamic, 100%. Like um, you learn how to like work different people and kind of vibing what they are looking for when they come sit at the bar. Are they wanting to be flirted with? Are they wanting to have you listen to their sob story of their life? Or do they want to vent? Do they want to just be left alone and read their book? You kind of like have to pick up on that. And bartending especially is very interesting within that. Yeah, it requires a lot of emotional intelligence in a that lot. aspect. And it's, and I, 
not to stereotype but i feel like women are really good at that but Mm -hmm. then as soon as you get more into the cocktail world then our hierarchy of it being completely male dominated continues to be a trend one of the listening to you um i am recalling in a podcast episode I listened to because I was trying to again I haven't bartended a lot but I went looking for like okay like how do other females talk about like their bartending experience and I found like stupid stupid articles about what it takes to be a woman bartender and like helping you like prep for this and it 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 was like very much talking about how you really need to be prepared and you have to be a special kind of woman to be able to take a compliment Mm mm-hmm um which like made me want to gag and like you need to be able to like be pleasing to the eyes and this is written by men it 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 read to me like what a man wanted out of a female okay i was gonna say because none of that is true i couldn't tell because it was just like some like fluff piece on a blog right but it's what happens when you google but i find that interesting like what does society pull up and put in front of my face when i start to ask these questions and then i stop and think about them um, but through that process of looking at like, okay, here's what's on TikTok. Here's what's on um, just basic Google. And here's what's when I put in female bartender to Spotify, what comes up? And one of the things that I found, um, and I won't, I'm not endorsing this podcast at all. So I'm not going to link it. But I did find a conversation where a father was interviewing his young, she was like 21, 22 uh daughter who is a bartender in the midwest and when she expressed like in this like lighthearted, like oh yeah i have to deal with all kinds of boys and she's a bartender at a casino in their town um which i think is like a whole other world than what you're describing Mm -hmm. um but similar attitudes towards men and female bodied people it's just like it's just a level of ick and she was describing you know like having to kick this guy out and like calling security and how as soon as security was called like he basically gaslit her and was like no like she's fucking crazy and like i she wouldn't let me pay my tab and like you need to like get this girl written up because she won't let me pay my bill like what kind of bartender would not let you pay their bill? Say, like, she wants your tip make dude sense. and not your dick tip But one of the things was, like, she described how, like, there is a certain kind of guy that really wants to just, like, be right in front of you, like, at her workstation. And they require a lot of extra attention. A lot of attention. To which her father chimed in and was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally that guy. Like, I would sit across from you and, like, especially if there's, like, a nice low-cut shirt. And it was, like, it made me, like, really uncomfortable because it was a father-daughter dynamic. But it was like, oh, yeah, that's just, like, boys will be boys, essentially, was the attitude. And if this is what you're going to do, then that's what you're signing up for. And my girl's got a got a nice constitution to put up with this because like basically he's entitled as the guy and her in that position to demand that extra attention and it had the hints of like sexual attention like he wants that flirtation yeah if you want your tip you better be giving me that sexual yeah uh, attention and I was just like I actually turned off the podcast because I was like I am done with this That's like I got it get the point but I think it's interesting because we have women in these positions so isolated that you kind of like in your in your specific bar, you might have your allies, right? Like I've got your back. I'm going to make sure that you're safe, safety, <laughs> safety first, um, keeping track of your community. But then in isolation, you kind of think like it's like it's just you. It's just in your head. It's your problem. We make it the woman's problem all the time. Mm-hmm. 
when in actuality it's toxic masculinity it is are you ready for another cocktail because it looks like you're kind of a little low on some libations over there i would love another cocktail okay now i'm gonna make for you a manhattan Ooh. All right, so we've got a whole different glassware situation this time. We are making a Manhattan, so I did it in, as a as a double, so we can both I can pour both drinks. Um, this is what you don't build in a glass. You're gonna build it in. You can do a jar. This is a fancy cocktail mixing glass, but you can do it as a jar pretty easily. Or like a large pint glass if you wanted. But the but the point is the old fashions were built in the glass that we drank them from. So like the ingredients mm-hmm. went in there and you were stirring it. This is made in a separate vessel where we yes. have our drinking glasses and then we have what you're mixing in on the yes. side. So you're definitely going to want to use copious amounts of ice. Um, you want to fill your container all the way up with ice. This is probably like what, a quart yeah. size? So you're going to fill it all the way up with ice. I, this time I put the liquor in the glass right away and then topped it with the ice. What kind of liquor? So we have for a single portion, it is two ounces of rye whiskey, a ounce of sweet vermouth, and then again, kind of your own, pick your own poison with bitters. So I did um, extra orange bitters because I think they're delicious. And then the Angostura as well. So it's a very similar base. And then same kind of action, you're gonna take your spoon, and you're going to spin around the glass, keeping the back of the spoon tight against the glass. So we're not shaking anything today. We're not shaking anything today. Well, then where the fuck is the whole, like, shaken, not stirred? Those are, you get different type of outcomes. So, like, the liquor will taste a little bit different with each. Um, that could be kind of a fun experiment we could do. Because you would definitely tell the difference. Would I really? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot smoother when you are stirring it. Um, and you're able to like control the dilution a little bit better for the Manhattan. You want to stir it for like a long time. Like, and so you basically stir until your ice kind of goes like half the level that it was originally. Obviously, same kind of thing. Your glass is super cold and kind of foggy on the outside. Just keep on stirring. I think of Manhattan's as like a, like a classy man's drink. A lot of men won't, at least in my experience, won't order Manhattans um, due to the glassware that it comes in. Due to the glassware? Yes. So um, usually it comes in a coupe or like a martini glass. Okay, so now I'm stirred it all the way. And then I have this little like perforated spoon um, to hold the ice while I pour it into the coupe glass. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So if you measured everything right and you stirred correctly, you should be able to pour your full portion that you did all the way to the top, obviously with enough room for like transportation. (laughs) And then just like the old fashioned, you get a little cherry that gets dropped into the bottom of your coop. And just like I did with the old fashioned, I like a little bit of cherry juice. So the big difference here is in the method of building, but also the Manhattan doesn't have any orange correct or no you do have orange i'm sorry sorry the um manhattan has an added vermouth which gives it a little bit more body a little bit more bitterness um, it also has more of a botanical taste which you wouldn't get correct unless, i mean the ones we did had gin but if it was a whiskey drink then it wouldn't have that botanical taste correct. right Correct. yes 
I'm paying attention. Yeah, you are. Um, and vermouth just interacts really well with like a rye whiskey because the rye whiskey has a lot more spices to it. It's a little bit more um, sharp in flavor. Um, and then I've seen them garnish with a orange peel. Um, I also read pretty classically it's lemon peel. So I'm going to do the same thing, like my little toquito. Express your citrus on top. Go around the mouthpiece of your glassware and drop it on in. For me. Oh, man. This is the classiest drink I've ever had in my sweatpants. <laughs> it's mostly the glassware. So, um, yeah, back to, like, masculinity and glassware. Um, I have had, and I talked to a couple of the bartenders I worked with. See how much different it is? That vermouth gives it a funk. Oh, yeah. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. But not funk like a bad way. Not like no. a stinky cheese vibe. No. More of like a dusty cabinet. I would drink this with a side of stinky cheese. Right? Um, it's less sweet than a old-fashioned. But you also didn't have any sugar in here. No added sugar. It's just the sweet vermouth. Um, some pe- A lot of people don't like vermouth. Um, I think vermouth gets a little bit more hate than it should. I think it's a really beautiful product. But um, people who say they don't like vermouth but order martinis in Manhattans, they just don't understand. They don't know. They don't know what they're saying. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the the coupe glass, a lot of times men will order Manhattans but request it in a rocks glass, which I think is really funny. But would they still drink it neat like this without mm-hmm. any ice? Yep. But just in a rocks glass. Um, I have heard some people have a little bit of like a shake to their um, – their holding of the glass and so some people don't really want the dainty intensity of like holding the coupe um the point of it is that you don't warm your liquor so like a rock glass you're holding it in your hand kind of warms it as you drink it yeah and just like with wine you want to like have the stem so it stays super cold and chilled coupe glasses they're one of my favorite i think they're the cutest little fucking glasses i mean it's super cute and beautiful and it's also just like just a little little amount yeah. Whereas like the other glass you handed me, I could easily overfill that, especially not knowing what I'm doing. Well, and you can pound it like stereotypes within gender. There's like the masculine man that's like swinging his drink around while he's talking and slamming it on the table because he's like really like passionate. And then there's a woman who speaks as low as a whisper and just like holds her glass very like with the pinky up. It is fun to see bring more of a spirit of play to cocktails, though, because it does, the world does trigger more of that, like, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it in my head. Do you like it? Yeah, I like both, honestly. Cool. I don't have as fancy of a description as I did for the other one. It's just like a classic it's just a little different. Manhattan. Yeah. But I do think you have to be, you have to like an alcohol forward drink in order to drink this. Like, Absolutely. there are people in my life that I would say that to that they would be like, whew, that's too much. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think, and you, yeah, appreciating the actual alcohol flavor, um, a little bit of that breathiness of the alcohol, which um, is how you can. Breathiness of the alcohol. Yeah. Is that in the way it's speaking to me? It's just like, hey, like what the breath, your own breath. So, like, when you take a sip of tequila or a shot of something and you're like, whoo, and then that like heat, that fire that comes out of your mouth, that's like when I refer to breathiness. That's like kind of what I mean. Because you don't want your alcohol to, like, hurt you, right? Unless you're a big, strong man and drinks a lot of whiskey. I mean, I was going to say there have been times that a man has observed me taking just straight whiskey. And they're mm-hmm. like, excuse me? Yeah. And, I mean, when I was young, too, that was something that I wanted to do in order to have that, like, 
mm-hmm. vibe of like don't you fuck with me yeah um and you know how i was mentioning the coops a lot of men prefer to just like change the glassware like they'll mm-hmm. order things that are in a coop and they'll straight up like slide it back to me like can you put this in a different glass and when i was reading about gendering within cocktails um i found this really interesting kind of write up on this website um but they were talking about gendering cocktails and it said the specifically about the coop it has been said this is from the article it's been said that the coop has been modeled after the shape of a woman's breast <gasps> and exists who does for want that a specific hand? right but in, and the coop exists for a specific purpose it allows a person to sip on their drink while Dude, holding the stem now I'm holding it up to the light it does look like a titty i know this is and this is a thing that i just learned like getting ready for this episode um so it says that the coop obviously the the purpose of it is to sip your drink while holding the stem thus preventing body heat from transferring from your hand to your alcohol and then it goes on to say like if you refuse to drink your your cocktail out of a coop it basically tells the world that you'd rather suffer drinking a warm cocktail than be perceived as feminine if I won't drink my cocktail out of a coop, then I would rather suffer a warm drink than to be perceived yes, as feminine. as like a man. That just shows you how deeply entrenched misogyny is within our culture and within our bar culture and how funny that can be. Interesting. And then now I'm thinking the martini glass, the classic Sex in the City Cosmos, that's basically a Madonna bra. Yeah, like the very mm-hmm. pointy bras. Yes, because this, like, when I hold it up to the light, it's got a little nipple on the bottom. It does. And that beautiful nipple holds the cherry, like, because in the Manhattan, we have the cherry dropped in the bottom of the glass. Yeah, it's it nestled it right in there. Really well. So as you're drinking it, the cherry's not sloshing the alcohol back up into your face and your lips. It's really thinking about the diner's ex- or the drinker's um, experience in it, right? Wow. I know. So super funny. You're blowing um, my mind. I you're welcome. So many like I, I haven't thought this much about glassware. I love glassware, mm-hmm. but I often just drink. Like I grew up drinking wine out of a mason jar. Oh yeah, I still drink my wine out of a mason jar pretty often. Like easily, it's fine. Are you self-taught then? Self-taught with what? Mixology. I guess. Do you have like a female mentor or have you had mentors? No. You've had to figure it out as you go and use your powers of observation and like ask yeah, questions. Yeah, using my own being a patron in bars and liking alcohol, working in a restaurant really opens your eyes because you can, usually restaurants you get two shift drinks or whatever. It gives you kind of an opportunity to explore and to to really expand your knowledge on different cocktails but even within the industry itself you could say okay i mean there's the food industry but then within that there's bag of house front of house mm-hmm. there's the work you could do in the kitchen and the different positions you can end up in but then in bartending culture specifically there are a few places that women could fall into correct oh yeah yeah um in general the hospitality industry the duties the jobs can be very gendered um even still to this day like traditionally um women are always casted as the host um or the cocktail waitress or the cocktail waitress um so this is a 
website that I stumbled on um, about specifically women in the industry and like kind of more in like the mixology world, the bartending world. It said that nationwide, women outside of management specifically, the employees of the restaurant industry that are female make up 52% of all restaurant workers, Mm -hmm. 71% of servers nationwide, classic, and 41% of fine dining bartenders. And then it says, although 55% of family-style restaurants that have bars, so that, like, it's a lower rate than, obviously, fine dining. I think of, like, Applebee's. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, But, you know, there's... See, I was going to say Red Robin. Yeah, similar, though. There's a bar. It's family dining. There's something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's great. There's a time and a place for that. It really depends on people's definitions of, well, are you a cocktail waitress? Are you a barmaid? Which was language that was used to determine the laws around when women were not allowed to bartend versus, like, cocktail waitressing and, like, all of these things. But... But it's, it's interesting because, yeah, like, majority of servers in the world are women, which also, again, coming back with to, like, the personality types, like, being a woman, you're, you're born and raised to be this nurturer within our society, to be this person that gives so much of yourself to other people and not asking anything back, um, being that, like, you know, doting mother. That's what we were raised to do. So it makes sense as a server because you are doting on these people and giving them the best quality of an experience as they can, making sure they have anything they can possibly imagine and always looking forward to what they may need so that they don't even have to ask you for it. That is hospitality at its highest level. <laughs> okay. okay, on to the next episode. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Your time is a gift. That we appreciate immensely. Did you know you can now rate Time to Chat on Spotify? Follow us on Instagram for first dibs on listener swag. Trust us, you're going to want some of this. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow, share, and rate this podcast. It makes a difference and helps us reach more folks that want to digest their relationship to food. In today's episode... Do you really use your dick to stir that drink? (laughs) gold i'm so mad i was talking over that oh my god <laughs> i just really need to is that, that your stir sister? stick or are you just happy to see me <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's raw dog it. part two